Today's high achievers are constantly bombarded with so-called options when it comes to high performance and leadership development. I know you know what I mean. The hyped up environments of in-person and now today's virtual conferences, masterminds, and concert-like events are all just an insult to what it really takes for you to achieve peak performance in both your life and business. To the leaders out there who can see past all this BS, who truly want to blow past their limitations, this is your opportunity. As a former competitive bull rider and combat veteran, I'm telling you, the only way you're going to master your performance is through the eruption and eradication of everything that short circuits your power and potential in the first place. It'll never happen through this over-consuming of everybody else's concepts, blueprints, or even life hacks. If you really want to succeed living in peace and performing at the top of your game consistently and without stress, you need to first unfuck your life. There is no other option. There is no other way. Yes, folks, we can lead in today's world, no matter how bad it gets. Welcome back to Truth Thursday on the Rob Mana Show at the Red Voice Media Network, where we bring you the facts and the truth, whether it pisses you off or not. Uh, and I want to welcome back the X Spaces simulcast audience. It's good to see you guys. How about a quick sound check, Shell? We have you loud and clear, Colonel. Let's have a great show. Thank you. Well, folks, if you're worried about the state of the world under the Biden administration, don't worry about it. We're Americans, and we've dealt with the stress of nuclear war, the threat of it, since the mid-1940s, and always have been threatened with terrorism and attacks from other crazy, aggressive countries. Remember, if that time comes, we are all American. No right, no left. Democrats, no. Republicans, no. Conservatives versus liberals, no. We're just Americans, and we're going to stick together and come out better if it ever happens. That view is common among those of us who have experienced highly complex combat operations or peacetime deterrence operations, whether on the ground or in the air, like I said, in peaceful deterrence missions or ground combat or air combat. We know you can learn to lead in any environment because we've lived the experience and succeeded. You've heard the term embrace the suck from veterans over and over again these last 30 years or so since we've been at war constantly. And now you'll learn what we mean by that. Wiley McGraw is my guest tonight. He's a former star athlete, a pitcher, a competitive bull rider and three tour combat veteran. He's a founder of Radical Performance Acceleration, and for well over 10 years now, he's been behind the scenes doing life-altering work with powerful CEOs, entrepreneurs, leaders, and public figures, accelerating their performance, both personally and professionally. His work is the proverbial Navy SEAL training, folks, equivalent to high performance and leadership development, pushing even the elite beyond their limits. So they not only hit their peak, but sustain it. Wiley, welcome to the Rob Manus Show, man. And when I saw that video that I played at the opening, I'm like, I got to get that man on this show for this audience. How are you? I appreciate you having me here. I'm doing well. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, uh, well, uh, I know 
times are tough and those kind of things. But let's talk a little bit about uh, your background for the folks that are listening uh, on the live television broadcast and the Spaces audience. I don't know if you're your scheduler's told you, but we do engage with the Spaces audience about once a segment. There's four segments, so one question uh, uh, in each segment, if we have time to do it. Uh, but uh, so, so let's talk about your background. Star baseball pitcher, competitive bull rider, three-tour combat veteran. Sounds like something out of a dream life. <laughs> Uh, you yeah on the surface you know you can uh, definitely make yourself or at least have other people uh, do you justice by uh, writing good things about you but those are uh, yeah. uh, you know those are great experiences of my life I grew up in a, an athletic household dad was a semi pro ball player so every one of us uh, were were injected into sports at a very young age uh, given our talents and our different uh, skill sets so we just learned from that uh, uh, early on what it meant to to be part of a team start operating uh, as in leadership, your different roles in the team. Uh, mm -hmm. And then from there, it parlayed into different experiences. Like for me personally, it was the bull riding world in military after that. So why do I need to unfuck my life to be successful uh, and not just be a high achiever, but to be actually successful in my personal life and my professional life? How do I do I, that? I think, uh, well, I think given, given our military background, we can comprehend a little bit more of what it means to put ourselves in uh, uncomfortable, challenging situations and predicaments, finding resources or other people that actually will push us beyond our own perceived limitations. But for the lay person, uh, most people tend to try to skirt or circumvent the things that scare them, that make them the most uncomfortable. They want to find more of the... Uh, the types of paths that they can control to the degree that allows them to not feel too much discomfort. And that ends up limiting people's ability to tap into potential to really understand what they're made of when they're facing adversity or challenging times through life's journey and experiences. So I, what I mean by unfucking a life, it really comes down to being, being willing to face your own uh, shortcomings, your flaws, the demons that, that plague you, the stresses that you're unwilling to typically look at. And most human beings don't want to look at themselves, not in an objective light. So having people outside of them that can hold them accountable, put them in those positions relentlessly day in and day out as life is presenting these challenging uh, obstacles and moments for them, I think is where we really start to experience that, what I call the unfucking. We start to experience that unleashing and, and more the freedom that comes along with our ability to strive for excellence uh, subjectively based on what it is we want to achieve in our life. Yeah. So yeah, when I read your stuff and uh, watched some of the videos doing the research and everything, I, I recognize some things because, uh, you know, I spent a little over 30 years in the military myself and uh, right. my first job at COD as an enlisted guy. So uh uh, you know, a little bit of a uh, challenging thing for a 17-year-old right out of high school to learn how to do that, right. <laughs> do it for six nice. years without, without losing anything <laughs> or getting killed. Uh, but, uh, you know, so what I recognize, though, is that uh, I had people in my, in my sphere, uh, even before I went in the Air Force, like my dad, who was a master sergeant uh, in the military. Uh, and my brother, my older brother, by the time I entered the Air Force, was a, an NCO also uh, on active duty, uh, and uncles and those kind of things. Uh, and when I was reading your stuff, I'm like, oh, that's that's how they did. That's how I I became me uh, initially. Right. Took that step to enlist. Uh, 
you know, because they didn't really say anything to me. They didn't recruit me at all. They just, I just uh, wanted to do something that was out of my comfort zone because I was a little asthmatic kid, weighed 120 pounds when I first got to boot camp. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, That's, I was uh... the sickly of my, my three brothers, uh, or my four brothers, and I, uh, I was the sickly one. So uh, I chose to do that without my dad ever even recommending it because I don't think he would, you know. So yeah, that's I think what it comes down to, Colonel, it is you are still in an environment that elicited this desire to seek out yeah. uh, opportunities to stretch your capacity. And I think that's the piece that's missing is that we don't have the right type of environments anymore, especially now more than ever. Our environment mm -hmm. is is cultivating weakness. It's cultivating uh, putting people's feelings ahead of facts and ahead of uh, what's required for us to sustain optimal performance as a community, a society, a country. So going back to what you just said, hey, your dad or your, your family didn't actually force you or put, push you towards that. You innately just said, you know what, given the environment I grew up, I want to know what, what it is that I could do. What am I capable of? I think that's even in my life growing up as the oldest of three boys, having a, every man in my family served in the military since World War II, it was always how do you become your best without someone telling you to do it? But the environment does elicit certain drives in, in each individual. And I found that in my environment, my dad, very staunch, rule-oriented, was, you know, what he expected your best. And if you were less than your best, you paid for it. So at the end of the day, we just knew it was all about focus, determination, drive, and really becoming what we are supposed to be individually. And what does that mean? Well, seeking out the hard stuff, looking for the challenges, yeah. and finding things that scare you. And I think I found going from baseball into bull riding, I wanted to... To, to, to seek out the environments that scared me and bull riding scared me. And it forced me to find a new um, relationship with myself, with emotions and, and mental focus and intuition and spirituality. And all of that came flooding into my life uh, when I stepped into that wild unknown that is bull riding from the baseball structure that I grew up. So that, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about. I'm glad you, you went there because uh, it, it's a totally different to, to go from I mean, I've seen pro baseball players uh, looked at their lives. I've seen the movies, you know, but I, I was a baseball player uh, all the way up until I was in my 40s. I still played amateur fast pitch baseball, hardball in my nice. 40s. Uh, uh, but, uh, but the guys in, that went pro, I mean, they were out there. 15 hours a day. I mean, the, what the scenes you see in the movies where the, the kid's got two buckets of baseballs and he's out there pitching or whatever it is that he's working on. Uh, right. You know, it, it's, it, you know, it's every day. It's not just Monday, Wednesday, and Friday or, or on the weekends. It's every single day. Uh, but it seems like bull riding uh, doesn't really lend itself to that kind of structure. Am I wrong about that? I've, I've never done it. I've done a lot of horse show stuff when I was a teenager because yeah. we owned horses and we we rode, you know, barrel racing and other races and kind of stuff like that. And a little right. bit of rope, not like a rodeo, not like bull riding. Uh, in a well, baseball, you know, baseball is very structured, very fundamental oriented, and it is it is a lifestyle. If you really want to be, you know, good at it, you have to commit to the lifestyle, and that's what yeah. I did. Even in the in the eighties. If I was in training and I was collecting baseball cards, following the league, you know, watching the different players that I, you know, I, I emulated and respected, like Nolan Ryan, uh, Jim Abbott, and things like that. And my dad, 
being friends with guys like Rod Carew, Bo Jackson. I grew up around pro athletes. So we were year in and year out training. It was always about pitching. It was always about being able to improve my arsenal. So it was a lifestyle. It was not just a, you know, a weekend warrior type of thing, but it, it became, as I got older, uh, this discovery of what am I playing the game for? Because I could have gone down the path of pro baseball. I could have gone into college, uh, you know, and played in that, that genre and then uh, eventually made it to the pros. But it, it's the conversation you start having as you get into high school of like, okay, what am I doing this for? And that's what I found myself having in the world of bull riding. Uh, given the contacts that I made in high school, I, I found was something I got to choose myself. And when I got into it, yes, I started riding on the weekends, but it yeah. is structured as well. If you want to become a good rodeo cowboy, you have to commit to the training protocols and the consistency that it requires to develop the skills to understand that bull riding is very wild. It's there are full full of unknowns, the stock that they raise. Yes, you can predict certain patterns of movement and things like that based on just like playing baseball. You know what your batter's wheelhouse is. You know where his weaknesses are. But there's still more unknowns in that world. So you have to train diligently and you have to learn how to become comfortable in the unknowns more so than what baseball provided. And I found like this new uh, way of operating in life was exciting for me. And every time I got on the back of an animal, it forced me to become present. It forced me to become focused, learn how to get calm in the chaos. And Mm -hmm. baseball didn't give me chaos like that. Bull riding did, but it Uh. is structured. And pro pro cowboys will tell you, you want to climb the ranks and and become a pro, you got to get structured and you have to make it a lifestyle. Unfortunately, I just wasn't in a position to make it a full lifestyle. Then I got to the point where I was like, where can I go get that? Boom, the military came knocking. And that's when I chose that direction. Wow. Well, I got to take yeah. my first commercial break, Wiley. We have to do commercials on this show. Uh, but uh, when we come <laughs> right. back, uh, we'll look at a little Joe Rogan clip and, and uh, go to spaces for the audience to see if anybody's got a mic with their hand up uh, and it has a question for Wiley. Don't miss this opportunity, folks. This man uh, is a unique position in the world uh, and has a lot of good perspective. We'll be right back on The Rob Mana Show. Interrupt today's programming to bring unfortunate news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. So take action now. The Federal Reserve's phased deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared. This may catch many off guard and put your hard-earned assets in jeopardy. But here's the good news. There's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Speak to someone at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Dial 833, the number 2 USA Gold. Yes, call now, 833-287-2465. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Call 833, the number two USA Gold. Yes, call now. 833-287-2465. Act swiftly. 833-287-2465.
Virginia. Ask a great question. Temper will too. Well, listen up, folks. Uh, Bidenomics uh, isn't working. The U.S. dollar is losing value, and your hard-earned savings are at risk. Get act now before it's too late. With one straightforward, entirely legal tax loophole, contact my friends at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide. Learn how to safeguard your wealth from a failing dollar and volatile markets with gold and silver IRAs. Dial 833, the number 2 USA Gold. It's 833-287-2465 or visit I bet this is the American assets protectfrombiden.com. And yeah. folks, welcome back to the Rob Manus Show where my guest is uh, Wiley McGraw, uh, an uh, athletic star, competitive bull rider, three-time combat veteran. Uh, and Wiley, I want to show this real short clip from Joe Rogan. And then uh, go to the audience to see if anybody's got a comment or a question, because I think that uh, uh, the world we live in today has dramatically changed since you and I first entered the military. Go ahead. This is crazy, man. I've been freaking out over the last like few weeks, like at nighttime, like at nighttime, I'll be alone. And I just start thinking about the future of the world. And I start like legit freaking out. Like what? What would happen if we were like legit Armageddon, Mad Max, nuclear war? Like how far are we away from that? And it just—it's it could just give me anxiety before I go to sleep. I'd just be laying there going, "Fuck!" Like, how does this all resolve? And then this fucking Israel thing pops off, and now I'm like legit freaked out. Yeah, uh, Shell. Do you have anybody with a mic over there that wants to make a comment or ask a question for Wiley? Because we're going to dive into that a little bit over the next couple of segments, uh, uh, and, and I want Wiley to take the audience through his perspective and how he marries up the reality of this world uh, to uh, what he does, uh, which is pretty incredible, really. Go ahead, Cat. Um, I was going to say that I can relate to, to what he is saying. In fact, I talked to you about it on the weekend. You know, I remember I was telling you my stomach hurt. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need an ass. And you're like, welcome to my world. It's like, how yeah. in the world do we compartmentalize it all? It is insanity because it's like every time we turn around, it's like, oh, no. Now now Israel with, uh, you know, with the Gaza Strip, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's perfect because that's not going to cause huge problems. Um, and then you got Lindsey Graham running his trap. Uh, you know, saying we need to bomb Iran. And I'm like, dude, shut up. So I'm just asking kind of both of you, how do you like make it where you can sleep at night? Because I'm trying not to stress, but it's hard. Well, Wiley, what's your perspective on all this? And, uh, uh, you know, and, and take us down that trail uh, of how you think about this stuff nowadays, especially considering what you've been doing for the last decade or so uh, with uh, uh, teaching people about leadership and not just the achieving something, but actually being successful in this environment. Check your mute button. Let's go. Disco, you want to take him out? See if we can get him back in. Disco texted me, Colonel. Um, he was asking if we have an audio. We do with you. Yeah. But um, we cannot hear him also. No, I can't hear him either. No hearing? 
I heard you that time. Can you hear me now, Colonel? I got you. Did you hear my okay, question? Weird. question from the audience? That was weird. I, I, I did hear everything. Everything was working on my end, but you know, sometimes technology, again, part of the, I guess the craziness of the world is we're relying so much on this. So are we clear now? Yes, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'll go down that rabbit hole is not as deep as possible, but you know, to answer the question, to start number one, I think the, the fact is for me personally, I have my faith. I, I look at it as I understand that the world is always gonna have danger. You know, we live, you know, with different cultures and different backgrounds, different beliefs, different philosophies. Uh, as human beings, we're diverse and we're going to clash. But given the fact that I think we are so um, torn at the leadership level, we have leaders that have not, ha have not faced themselves. They have not optimized their lives and they have taught people to be far too secular and they have, they have taught people to individualize themselves. We've established too much dominance in the world of being selfish rather than selfless. We're going to see the rise in more of these types of experiences like what we're, we're going through right now with, uh, you know, the Hamas attack in Israel. But for me personally, to start with, how do I sleep at night is, uh, I mean, I have faith. You know, I, as a Catholic, I pray. I, I pray for other people. I, I'm always looking for that type of spiritual guidance, first and foremost. It's the foundation of my life. But the other aspect of it is, too, is. I'm willing to face and go into the depths of where leaders might be failing and support those leaders that are looking to make the impact to change policy, to change direction of business and industry so that we can start to actually combat a lot of the dysfunction that ends up leading to these failures in uh, intelligence, in security, uh, in, in foreign policy, and, and even in the military as well. So the best way I can do it is I look at it this way is we're going to continuously experience more chaos and we're going to experience more conflict uh, as, as, as long as we allow our leaders to get away with, you know, pushing the bounds and breaking the rules and, and doing it for their own selfish needs or for the, uh, I would say for the, the people that are behind it, funding it and, and the money aspect of things that are is too much in our politics. Now we need to stop it, but we need something radical to stop it. And the work that I've been doing for 14 years is about getting into the trenches with leaders from the CEOs to the public figures, those that have the influence out in the world to get them to face their own truth, to optimize their lives personally, because that does affect their performance professionally. And once we get them unfucked, we can turn around and see them turn, create this more positive upward ripple effect. But until we get leaders willing to actually do the hard stuff, which means mm -hmm. sacrificing selfish ambitions and actually yeah. doing the work that it takes to be the best, we're going to consistently experience the deterioration of our, our, our society as a whole. Yeah, uh, I mean, you you work with a lot of these civilian CEOs that uh, I'm guessing most don't have any military experience. You know, uh, one of the things I learned when I was a, a, a commander as a lieutenant colonel of a combat unit uh, in, in combat, uh, the hard way, the worst mistake I ever made was a moment of selfishness with one of my officers. And it was seen by a senior NCO and an and a, uh, airman. Uh, and right. uh, actually, that was of my 32 and a half year career. It was the worst mistake I've ever made. I still, uh, I don't lose sleep over it, but I go through it in my mind to, to remind myself so I don't make that mistake again. Uh, you right. know, because, uh, uh, but, but I, I wasn't ready for it. And that's why I made the mistake. I was, I was not properly prepared for at a, when I was at maximum physical and mental performance on a combat, on combat missions for, uh, days and days and days, and as the commander, uh, I just wasn't ready for the moment 
uh, uh, like I should have been, and that's where the mistake came from. But these guys and gals, they don't, they don't have that, that, that uh, I recognize it because of the character that had been built in me as a military person, you know, and as right. a kid, uh, right. as an NCO, like your dad, you know, uh, but they, most of these folks don't have that. How do you, how do you uh, instill that in them or teach it to them uh, and then get them to practice it in the real world? Well, that's, that's a great point, uh, Colonel, to bring up is you recognize it just like, you know, I, I recognize it or other leaders recognize it is because we have been tried through those challenging experiences in our life. I think the people that are, are lacking self-reflection or their ability to identify, again, those blind spots is like we like to call them, or the mistakes they're making, they don't have that awareness to realize they made a mistake. Uh, yeah. It's an external projection of it's outside of themselves, right? And that's the limitation in, in many leaders today is because they have not been put in the trial by fire situation. They don't have the right type of resources from their coaches or their confidants or their advisors. As you know, being a senior commissioned officer, you understand having the right advisors by your side, different types yep. of leadership around you will support your ability to stay on top of your game and someone who is self-aware, self-reflects, who is emotionally invested, who's intuitive. All of those components come from challenge. They come from facing arduous truths about yourself that otherwise we like to sweep under the rug. And what I've experienced in my work behind the scenes with different types of leaders, even the celebrities or pro athletes that I've supported, is they don't have someone that's in their corner or in the trenches with them as life's challenges present themselves. So you can hire a coach all day long or an advisor all day long, but if that advisor is not by your side with you as those challenges arise, Mm -hmm. or let alone they, do they know how to actually redirect your focus or support you through them or show you why that's happening and how to respond to it, none of the capacity that they're capable of can be stretched to the degree that they'd be ready for a mistake like that. I remember being a young uh, you know, E4 corporal being in charge of some guys in my mortar section, and I remember just like you talked about that mistake, when you make those types of mistakes, it is seen instantly because people are looking at you as the leader. I remember getting angry for a moment because I got frustrated. We were in Afghanistan and my guy saw that and it did cause kind of a hindrance to our performance when we went out on a combat operation. And, and I noticed it, I recognized right away, that's when I lost touch with my ability to stay grounded and stay present and stay focused and trust in the process and understanding myself. And I allowed that to slip away. And I think when that ability to pull yourself out of that moment and learn from the mistake, comes because you're willing to have people around you that aren't your, your yes men. You're willing to have people around yeah. you that will basically kick your ass and put you in positions you don't like because that's the only way you grow. That's why our military was, or you know, I can say is or was so great. The special operations community operates the way they do yeah. is because of the training that they're put through puts you in those positions to really stretch your capacity to perform even when you make a mistake. Yeah, when I was a colonel commander, uh, you know, at, at the past the 30-year point in my career as a wing commander, which is like a brigade in the ground forces, uh, the uh, I made sure of two things. Uh, in any meeting, uh, formal meeting, I always had two people under the age of 25 that were enlisted in that room. Uh, and, uh, and I always tried to have my trusted advisors one-on-ones with them all the time, but they were there too. Uh, but uh, it was amazing because I, I would ask, I would ask the young troops that were in the room, 
what they thought about questions where I wouldn't ask the, the subordinate commanders the question, and they got quite frustrated with it. Uh, but that was a way to get the truth out because the younger people are, if they're comfortable, if you can get them comfortable um, right. and get the opportunity, the more truth you're going to get about what's really going on. Uh, and uh, two things about that. I was surprised at the, at the subordinate commanders. Most of them didn't really understand that. Uh, and I was always pleasantly surprised that I was always able to find two young people that were willing to put the truth out because they trusted us, you know. Uh, and that's, uh, that's key, I think, especially in combat and being in the military, it, a willingness to hear, uh, uh, like, I want to say contradicting perspectives. Having someone yeah. that might be a lower rank than you telling you how you might be making a mistake or how that's not the, the correct action to take supports the, the overall operational focus. And it gets people to kind of come up with new solutions to the problem-solving situation that we have to go through. And I think I remember yeah. having a senior NCO take me out on different types of patrols, even though I was the 11 Charlie, the 11 Bravo, he would take seven all the time because I liked the way you would poke at things, ask questions and tell me, hey, we could probably do it better here. Even if my idea wasn't executed upon, having that input, having that truth, hey, I don't think we should be operating this way. I think we're going to make a mistake. We're going to end up being hurt because of it. He didn't come back at me and tell me to shut up because I was an E4 at the time or an E5 or whatever my rank was. He did that. Right. He, he listened to it. And I think military guys like in the Navy SEAL community, they operate from a team perspective where everybody's input matters. I think mm -hmm. that is where we, if we can get the truth on the table and people are, are unabashedly willing to actually face and deal with the utter truth, not subjective truth, but objective truth, we can create more sustainable solutions that actually start ending the cycle of chaos and madness that individuals and teams and communities live with. But I think our leadership right now, they're afraid of the truth and they like to spin things and they like to bullshit us. And that's where we're failing. Yeah, and that's exactly how combat aviation works too. You know, you get to the truth. When we right. go into a debrief or a briefing, there's no rank, you know, uh, right. it, and you go right to the truth. Well, I got to take a co another commercial, but when we come back, uh, I want to I want to uh, mine your thoughts about the wokeness and its effect on senior leadership, uh, especially in the civilian world, in the corporate world, uh, but also in the military. And we'll take a question from the spaces audience, folks. When we come right back after this message. How in the world could such a small group of people with limited resources change world history? But in fact, that's happening, and it's the power of the truth. The truth is like kryptonite. Healthcare isn't, in some sense, working very well. Foster Colson is thinking about this. He's got a new company, an online healthcare platform called The Wellness Company. Telehealth company called The Wellness Company. The Wellness Company. TWC.health is The Wellness Company. The most popular product is the detoxification supplement that features natokinase. Natokinase is the only enzyme that we're aware of right now that dissolves the spike protein. Spike protein is loaded in the body with the COVID-19 infection and definitely with the vaccines. We've been completely accurate on the spread of the virus, early treatment, on the deficiencies in hospital care, and now the deaths that are occurring after vaccination. This is a human outrage and it's occurring at the end of a hypodermic needle. Isn't it interesting? Natural substances is combating this man-made disaster.
Ladies and gentlemen, from the New York Times, drone again hits a Moscow building housing Russian ministries. This was in the wee hours of the morning, but you know what? I got to admit, I don't care all that much because this is not the story you should pay attention to. This is the story you should pay attention to. Hey, why don't you read that, Ian? We need, the subject says, a limited military draft. I just didn't want people to say that I'm the one saying that, because I don't <laughs> think we do. We need Military.com. We need a limited military draft. We then have the Council on Foreign Relations, the uncertain future of the U.S. military's all-volunteer force from July 18th, 2023, which concludes that uh, we're going to need a new Gates Commission to figure out how we, how we deal with this. Joe Biden has called the ready reserves, the select reserves, to be deployed to Europe over what's, what's going on in Ukraine. And this operation has been ongoing since 2014. Oliver Stone says he regrets voting for Biden because Biden's leading us into World War III. You've now got, and it's not just these two op-eds, more calls for a military draft. And you know what? The only thing I can say is... No. I really look forward to seeing Harry Sisson on the front lines making TikTok videos. <laughs> yeah. Because they ain't mean, drafting the 37-year-olds first. Well, don't be so pie in the sky, man. If it, if, if it hits the fan, we're, we're all on the chopping block. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. But what I'm saying is it'll be a good year or so before they draft a 37-year-old over the 20-year-old. What pisses me off is that Biden gave that COVID vaccine mandate across the military and a bunch of people resigned or got kicked out. And now they're, like, trying to pull their pants back up because yeah. they crapped their diapers. Well, and like Rob Vanish. Show, uh, you know, and uh, wokeism is a big problem. And our guest today is Wiley McGraw, uh, combat veteran, three tours, uh, and a competitive bull rider and a star baseball pitcher. Uh, but what his real job is today is teaching, really. I call it teaching. Uh, I know you got some different uh, perspective on it, uh, Wiley, but let's go over the Spaces audience. Uh, that clip was about, it was from Tim Pool, Tim Cast, and it was about the military draft articles that all of a sudden popped up in August uh, after Biden uh, activated some reserves. Who's got the microphone over there, Shell? We have Thomas, sir. Go ahead, Thomas. Hey, Wiley. It's great to talk to you, brother. Hey, I'm a retired uh, Fleet Marine Force corpsman, and I, I've done a little bit of reading into your background, and I just wanted to ask, um, I, I know that you had a lot of struggles in determining whether to get out of the military or not. What was your biggest struggle with deciding to ultimately get out of the military? And, sir, I, I tip my hat to you. Thank you for the service that you did to our nation. All right, Thomas. Thank you, brother. I appreciate your service as well. Um, that's a, I'm glad you asked that question. I've been thinking about that lately as well. And interestingly enough, I've had conversations with some friends that are telling me that I should consider going back into the military. So I'll throw that out there at you to answer your question to start. But the, the biggest reason why, you know, I, I struggled with that getting on the military was the lack of trust I started to feel for, for the armed forces. The, the Army, um, I was in the middle of my third combat tour in Iraq. Uh, I was halfway through the deployment, and my first sergeant company commander pulled me in after I put my guys out on a guard post at 2 in the morning and said, hey, you're up for re-enlistment. What do you want? Uh, and when I started to talk to them about the uh, schools that I had originally had in my contract that were taken from me and given to West Point cadets and then not given to me when I re-enlisted the first time, I told them, this is what I want. Can you get it for me? And they said they can't guarantee it, but they'll try. And if they do get it for me, they'll have to uh, request that I stay in for an additional six years, which was a heavy ask for someone in the middle of a combat rotation who had already been screwed by the Army twice 
when this was simply getting an airborne slot. So for me, I struggled for the next couple of weeks after being asked that and ultimately decided to get out, realizing that I should I decide to stay in, there's a chance that they end up not giving me what I want. And now I'm I'm stuck where I'm at with no further career progression. And for me personally, my ultimate goal was to get into Ranger Regiment Special Operations Pipeline. And I had no sheer clear path to that. So it scared me. And ultimately, I just said, you know what? I'm not willing to take that risk anymore. So I struggled. And I have for the last 20 years since being out, regretting maybe should I have stayed in and fought for it or not. But uh, here we are. So I hope that answers your question, brother. Yeah, thanks uh, for that good, honest answer, man. It's uh, it's tough. You know, I, I was one of the people that stayed because I ended up finishing college and getting getting the opportunity to get commissioned. So I had a path that I had was able to get to, uh, you know. And uh, but I've met yeah. many people along the way that uh, weren't able to do that uh, for one reason or the other. And, and a lot of people don't really understand that the system. Uh, especially for enlisted folks, uh, when you're being asked to re-enlist, uh, and uh, it's just not designed to work in your favor all the time. You have to really have a have a have an opportunistic step happen to you that you either prep for really hard and you're in the right place at the right time, or you just right. sheer luck, you know. Uh, right. So I, I've got a lot of colleagues and friends that uh, did the same thing you did, but you know what? I'm 62 and I've thought about going back in too. So uh, <laughs> it's never over until it's over, brother. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And I'll add to this real quick, uh, real quick, Colonel. And for asking that question, given everything going on, I've talked to some recruiters lately and they are bringing a lot of guys that are in uh, 40, 41, 42 years old. He, one a recruiter told me he just put a guy through 42 years old right into X, 18 X ray, SFAS pipeline. So it's interesting that some veterans are choosing to re-enlist and they are, are working waivers right now and taking guys back in. Quite, quite fascinating. Yeah, I wanna, the reason why I wanted to ask you about the woke stuff and what you see in the corporate, uh, especially the corporate arena with these executives and everything is because, you know, I've stopped recruiting and, uh, you know, the all, all volunteer force has been manned really and filled mostly by families that have long histories of military service. My dad's family goes all the way back to the American Revolution. Uh, that's one of the reasons uh, uh, that we tend to serve, but I've stopped recruiting out of that pool uh, long yeah. before the numbers started showing up, about a year, about six months before the numbers started showing up. But it's because of the lack of confidence in the leadership and the decision-making that I'm worried about. Uh, it, it, but it just it puzzles. It, it makes me wonder, what are you seeing since you're so close to the corporate arena uh, with the CEOs and the C-suite mm -hmm. folks and all that? Uh, it, is, this, is the problem coming into the military because of what's happening in that world uh, with wokeness and all this political correctness and people making people bend the knee and ESG and all that? Uh, it's, 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 it's killing everything. It's killing the trust first and foremost, like you said, Carl, but what I've noticed too, and even talking to some of the uh, folks that I'm around is it's the capitulation to, again, people's feelings about, uh, affirming how someone feels in an environment and, and it's a willingness to sacrifice standards. Uh, it's willing, a willingness to, to bend, like you said, to bend the knee to allow people to uh, skate through, uh, you know, the, the typical pipeline that requires someone to perform at a certain level. I have conversations with a buddy of mine who is a master chief in the Navy. Another friend of mine is a, a command sergeant major. 
and they're both have both of them e9s have told me that we have this now pronoun requirement in emails you know they they and they've yeah. been reprimanded by senior leadership because they refuse to do it because these are both christian men they don't believe in transgenderism they don't see it as something they should have to uh, you know abide by and they're being forced to step into that world that it, it's causing them now to to decide whether or not they should stay in any longer and some of them have told me you know, they are, they're seeing other officers and other senior NCOs being pushed out of the military because they won't capitulate to the deterioration of uh, our military through that woke, uh, those woke culture principles and things like that. So a lot of leadership in, you know, the CEOs I've worked with, the public figures I've supported are now starting to realize that if you want to maintain your status, if you want to keep your job, if you want to uh, sustain the lifestyle you've created, you have to bend the knee to what it is that we require now, because this is the way the world is turning. So they're starting to create doctrine around it now, and they're starting to turn it into almost like a new uh, SOP on how you operate in your job, rather than maintaining difficult standards and the high bars that we expect. And, and a buddy of mine who's a, a captain in Ranger Regiment says, you know what? we should really start changing the standards. It's like you either perform or you don't. And if you don't perform based on the standards, then you're out. You shouldn't be kicking people out because they're not willing to uh, affirm the way someone feels or thinks. Yeah, I retired in uh, late 2011 and that uh, things were still that way. I mean, if you couldn't meet the standards, you get two opportunities, sometimes three to get yourself right. up to speed. We help you, but you can't, you were out then, but I think it changed shortly or started changing shortly thereafter. <laughs> We've got a couple of hands up. Uh, uh, this is a this is a uh, tough subject, but it's an interesting one. Uh, Shell, do you have uh, somebody with the mic over there? Yes, sir. We have DK Rigotti. DK. Yes, good evening. Thank you for giving me a moment. And my question's off topic, so if, if you'd rather I wait till another time. Go ahead. We'll my give it a shot. My question is regarding the upcoming election and the election in 2020. So is it okay to ask a sure. question? Sure, or? go ahead. Okay. I wonder, because I keep hearing that the military has the actual results of the 2020 election and that, you know, obviously Trump won by a landslide and that Carrie Lake recently, um, there's about three states are about to decertify the results of their 2020 election. And I heard that that would mean that Trump would be reinstated. So I just wondered about that. And because, um, you know, obviously I don't just believe it. And I also wondered about the upcoming election and the, you know, Dominion machines. And, you know, isn't it? Because kind of, this is this is only uh, 15 more minutes of this show. Okay. All and right. Thank you. So, yeah, maybe they can address a few of those questions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm, but you know, it's fine if it's on topic. Sure, that's, sure, that's fine. But uh, let me address the military piece to that uh, for sure. Okay. Uh, the military Thank does you. not get involved in uh, domestic elections inside the United States of America. Uh, that, uh, as far as I know, you know, and I and I worked in in, 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 in as a senior executive in the intelligence business as an officer, uh, and uh, we had very strict. Uh, rules of engagement uh, about even accidentally collecting digital information uh, that might be even uh, even part of just somebody's personal life, let alone uh, an election. Uh, I don't know, Wiley. You could take some of that if you want to, but uh, uh, but 
the whole point is it's a chaotic environment. Uh, and I think that does relate to what uh, Wiley McGraw talks about and why he's taken on this, this work that he does with teaching people how to be successful, uh, not only in work, but in their personal lives, but in dealing with things like chaotic environments, Wiley. Yeah, I, I will be candid that I'm not as diverse as you are, Colonel, when answering the kind of question of how the military interacts. I do know, at least from a little bit of my experience, that we we don't interfere with domestic affairs. Yeah. That's that's the whole point of having that specific you know line that we draw so that we don't have these types of conflicts. But uh, going into the aspect of getting our leaders, getting people that have decision-making profiles uh, into the space of understanding how to manage and handle themselves in chaos, albeit big or small, uh, is, is a significant component to what actually turns around and parlays into uh, the types of uh, domestic election and problems that we have or any types of uh, you know, leadership issues or debacles or fights in, in, in foreign and domestic policy. But the reality is that leadership itself it all starts and stop, stops with leadership. And my work, what you just you brought up, was is connecting the personal and the professional together. We have a culture that believes that the personal and professional are mutually exclusive, and they're not. They actually in, impede one another because at the end of the day, when you walk to the door at a job, you are still you. So whatever you have going on at home, whatever you have going on personally, whatever stress you have not managed, whatever... Uh, turmoil you might be experiencing or going through, that will ultimately impede on your decision-making, your focus, and your ability to lead uh, in, a, in a very powerful way. And I think that's where we, we get off a little bit of the, uh, the reservation is that leaders think that they can circumvent certain truths. Yeah. Going back to our previous point of the conversation, they can exactly. sweep under the rug their, their past problems, and they had, that will eventually have no effect on what they actually are impacting in their, their jobs or their positions. Absolutely right. Well, I got to take my last commercial, but when we come back, there got a very short clip from Wiley himself, but it's talking about a crucial issue I wanted to uh, get him uh, on the show on uh, to preserve it so people can go back and watch it. Uh, so we'll be right back to the Rob Manus show. Attention Americans, breaking news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. Take action now. The Federal Reserve phase deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared. This may catch many off guard. Your hard-earned assets are in jeopardy. But there's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Reach out to American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Visit protectfrombiden.com. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Be smart. Don't let Biden force you into using the government government's new digital dollar. Visit protectfrombiden.com to get your free guide and get started. Again, that's protectfrombiden.com. For two reasons. 
The first reason is, despite all of your success, you are probably still feeling unsatisfied, unfulfilled, and you are at times suffering in silence, when what you need is a sustainable solution and not another temporary fix. A perfect example is the late CEO of Zappos, Tony Shea. Following his tragic death, many articles were written reporting his constant struggle to find happiness and peace despite his massive success in business. It was also reported that he was fueled by stress, fear, and incessant loneliness. But imagine what else Tony would have actually accomplished if he was living life unencumbered. So I'd like to ask, what are other high achievers doing to actually combat their own so-called demons? Unfortunately, just like Tony, everything is swept under the rug and highly compartmentalized. But like other high achievers, Tony's issues did not just rise out of the blue. They festered his entire life and nobody knew what to do with them. When in fact... Welcome back to the Rob Maida Show here on the Red Voice Media Network. Our guest is Wiley McGraw uh, today, and that was him. Uh, and, the, and the reason why I wanted to have the audience hear that clip is you were talking about Mr. Shea there. Uh, and uh, it, it yeah. drives a point home with uh, after after researching your efforts and your company and what you do nowadays professionally. Uh, it really drove a point home to me uh, that uh, uh, that that is the reality: is that you have these super high achiever people uh, that uh, not very often have super high successful personal lives. Most of them don't. Yeah. Most of them so don't, do unfortunately. So, so uh, the question I have for you, Wiley, is what's your methodology? when you Do you ever get to work with somebody like that? Uh, uh, I mean, some of those folks, I mean, they just won't call you because they're <laughs> so busy. You know, I mean, uh, oh. I know you have different methodologies to market your, your yourself and everything, but when you do come yeah. into contact with an individual like that, how do you how do you save them? I mean, that's the word I was looking for. How do you save them or teach themselves that's, to save themselves? Really, is what it is, right? Yeah, you know, they, this uh, this is what's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up, uh, Colonel, because it is a lot of people at that level are. When I meet them, I have met people. I have worked with people at Tony's level uh, over the years. It, you know, I was behind the scenes for a very long time. No digital presence, no social media, all because I, it wasn't about me. It was really about the work itself, about getting into the lives of these people and going into the depths or the trenches where their therapists or their other coaches just refuse to go because that's where the real truth lies and that's where real demons are, are hiding. So with Tony, giving him the example is he had people that recognized this, but people didn't know how to address it. They tried to bring solutions to the table, but his solutions were people trying to solve it from the outside in. Nobody was willing to go into those ugly corners with him and actually help him through and battle those demons head on like a soldier would do in a gunfight. So right. for me, my business has always been word of mouth. It has always been third-party connections and intimate relationships. Nothing that I do is cookie cutter. Everything is about the individual. So when I meet someone who can get beyond their thinking and they can feel into the dynamic with me, we spend time together getting to know one, one another, and we explore whether or not they're even ready to be put in positions that I put my clients through, uh, which are outside of their control, challenging environments, things I say to them, but I'm by their side 24-7. They, they get me for in a, a certain amount of time, anywhere from three months upwards of a year, where I'm basically now their new battle buddy. I live with them. I travel with them. I'm with them as life is turning upside down, personally and even professionally. So. It requires someone at that level to set the ego aside 
and say, you know what, I need to stop chasing the notoriety aspect of coaches and consultants. Like I need to stop hiring guys like Tony Robbins just because they're the, the big name on the block. And I need to find someone who's not a yes man, someone who's willing to get into the shit with me and who's not afraid to experience the eruptions and the almost demonic forces that will come out of me and actually push me through these limitations so that I no longer am struggling or suffering in silence when I lay my head on my pillow at night. But it, it, it's a very specific type of person who's willing to go to those depths, which is why my clients have called the work that I do, the proverbial Navy SEAL training equivalent, because it's the hardest thing they've ever experienced, but it's the yeah. most freeing and most rewarding because they know that I've got their back. I love them, care for them, and take, take them to the depths that they need to go so that the successes they've created matter mm -hmm. and actually mean something to them because their personal lives match their professional lives. Yeah, I mean, one of the techniques, uh, and I don't know the specifics of it, but, uh, but one of the phrases I kept coming across is eruption and, yeah. and, shock, and shocking experiences. Talk a little <laughs> bit about, I mean, I know, I, I don't have to ask the question to you, but for the sake of the audience, you know, what do you, why do you have to have experience something uh, that it be shocking for it to have have a a forward leaning effect on you? I think is where right. you're coming. Well, if, right. If it doesn't if it doesn't shock you or scare you, it actually doesn't change you. You consider right. going all the way back. Even I'm gonna use our military experience together here for the audience. Is our training is designed to shock us? It's designed to stretch us. It scares us at times. That's why when we go through it, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's most of the time, we don't even know what's coming our way. We don't know what they're going to put us. There's so many different variables that happen because they need to see how we react and perform in the unknowns of those types of combat uh, style conditions. Now, I take the same approach because I understand that if a CEO, a leader, a public figure, someone with big capacity, big ego, big personality, if they know what's coming at them, well, they're going to prepare for and react to that stimuli in the way that keeps them somewhat comfortable and in, in control of the situation. When you strip away total control from someone, you leave them ultimately vulnerable so you can expose the flaws, the blind spots, and the stresses that there otherwise would be hidden behind all of those barriers. So it, it requires someone who is an unafraid to challenge a, a powerful person in a way that takes control out of the equation so you can experience what happens to them, which is what I call eruptions. You experience the eruptions of their stress and right. the, what I say is demons. Then we can combat that together because now we can identify and see the truth of what's really going on. Because most of the time, people think, oh, I'm lacking in a financial capacity in my business. I need a new strategy or a new system or a new AI approach. Or mm -hmm. I might be experiencing... Uh, frustration and stress at the workplace, then I need to hire a coach who helps me with mindset work. But the reality is a lot of those times those stresses are not coming from what people think they're coming from. How, we, how do we get to the truth? Well, we have to shock them. We have to scare them. We have to put them in situations they don't want to be in because that's where we reveal the real culprit to what's going on. And, and most coaches and consultants don't do that nowadays. That's the, the foundation of my business and what I do. That's fantastic. Uh, thank you for explaining that because I wanted this audience to hear that. We've got one more hand up. Uh, Templar Shell, I think, has got a hand up. Uh, we'll take one more question real quick uh, and then uh, we'll wrap this up with Wiley and uh, get his coordinates and everything so people can go find this guy's work. It's fascinating and it's very effective. DK, do you have a question um, that can, concerns what the topic is? 
Sir, I believe she stepped away. Um, okay. I don't believe Templer has a hand up, so let's All right. wrap it up. All right. So uh, thank you very much, guys, over in the Spaces audience. We appreciate you, uh, and uh, it's been a great show. Uh, Wiley, uh, what would you leave the audience with, uh, the one thing for them to remember <clears throat> before they get to you telling them how to find you on social media and those kind of things? I, you know, the, there's so many things I could leave, but I think the one thing that I, I consistently like to share with people is you've got to seek out the things that, that scare you the most when it comes to your own personal journey, your own personal growth. Uh, if you find yourself uh, feeling comfortable in a situation uh, that is related to your, your ability to grow and stretch your capacity and, and challenge yourself, then you need, to, you need to reevaluate that. So I would tell people, seek out. The, the, the arduous, hard, challenging, scary things, because that's truly what you're going to see what you're capable of. And if even if you don't rise to the occasion, then you'll know where your, your true limitations really reside. But the only way you know where your limits are is if you're willing to actually jump over the edge. And that's what I would leave people with is take the opportunity to do it. Jump out of an airplane, go do, do the scary dance that you were afraid to do. Uh, you know, hire the coach that you uh, feel is going to, you know, challenge, you know, the truth about what you think about your life. Do something that actually scares you and you'll see what you're really made of. Yeah, the five scariest things I ever did was five jumps out of an airplane on a static line and learn the parachute. Uh, but I love, I, loved, I love jumping, yeah. But I loved it. So, I mean, it's the most fantastic thing, uh, one of the most fantastic things I've ever done other than flying, you know, supersonic and, uh, right. and, uh, and being able to take the fight to America's enemies, man. Well, so, so how can people find you, Wiley? Uh, I want it to be in the show record so that when they watch this, it's there. Yeah, of course. I mean, we put together WileyMcGraw.com is just a website full of videos, philosophies, and insights about what it is that I, I stand for and do out in the world uh, in the nature of it for leadership. And of course, I'm on Twitter uh, at WileyMcGraw where I'm enjoying some conversations with different uh, you know, uh, cool people out there that are talking about the same things that are really focused on the same mission. So those are the two places people can find me. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you for your service. Uh, Thank you, you sir, for yours as well. Again. Yeah, you should consider joining again because uh, we need leaders that are not afraid. Uh, because there's a lot of uh, a lot of people that are afraid. I mean, General Milley and and the new chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff both have made huge mistakes in their in their professional uh, lives right. that are like, right. uh, and uh, it's really got a lot of people bothered. So I appreciate you. Well, a bunch of us are considering it as well, and uh, I've talked. If we do, we're going to go in. Special Operations Committee to support leadership over there. So it's on the radar. Outstanding. Outstanding, sir. Well, yep. thank you very much, Wiley. Uh, we'll thank see you, you on the backside. Well, that folks, that's Wiley McGraw. Go check him out. This is the Rob Manis Show. Next Monday, it's more War Monday. Unfortunately, we're talking China's strategy. And thanks to the Spaces audience, we appreciate you guys. Uh, let's keep it up. The engagement is fantastic. Tucker still left. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.